Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. I'm Hugh Cole. Thank you for joining us this week. Today, we'll bring you the sermon from the 10 a.m. service at All Saints Church Chevy Chase from Father Ed Kelleher for Sunday, August 8th, 2021. To the glory of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This is our second service of the day, the earlier one being in the Fellowship Hall, in the Great Hall, the family table service, where we have more children attending. And I asked the kids questions to have fun with them. I ask you the same, you'll have fun with them. I said, how many eyes do we have? And the answer is two. How many ears? Two. How many mouths do we have? One. The idea being that we are to see and listen twice as much as we are to speak. Learn from the Lord and we talk when we have to, but double up on listening and double, eye, double up on seeing. But there's another sense that I came up to them. I asked the children how many stomachs we have. And they answered very quickly, one, we have one stomach. I said, right, now here's the harder one. How many stomachs does a cow have? Anybody know? Four. Four. You get a gold star. You can leave now. You can leave. You know the sermon. You know it all. You can go. A cow has four stomachs. But then I told them that the answer to the one stomach situation with humans was wrong. We don't have one stomach. Jesus is teaching us today and elsewhere in his long discourse about bread through the Gospels here. He's teaching us we have two stomachs. We have the stomach of the flesh, the stomach of the world. We have to feed it, take care of our bodies. We get that. We understand it. But he's also teaching us here that we have stomachs that are spiritual. And they must be fed even more perhaps than our bodily stomachs need to be fed. And he is the one to feed it. He is the one of the source of the bread to feed the second stomach. He's the one who has the nourishment. I've told you ad nauseum that we have bodies that need to be fed. We have brains that need to be fed. And we have spirits that need to be fed, our souls. And all too often they wither and die. All too often there's a failure to thrive because our souls are left um, without attention, without care. We're negligent for them. If there was a Department of Social Services for souls, we'd all have our souls taken away from us and put in foster care because we don't properly take care of them. Well, those of us who say, well, I am going to feed my other stomach. I am going to feed my spiritual side. I do want to turn to Jesus for the spiritual bread, the bread of heaven that he's talking about in the gospel. What we find in those cases is that we are really light. We are light. We're lightweights. We're, we're fast food junkies for religion. We read the quick little book we see, some little devotional thing, we move on. We don't spend time with God in prayer. We come to worship. We punch our ticket. I was there like a punch clock. I got, went home, you know, heard a guy's sermon, a couple of good jokes I remember, all that stuff, and we go on. And we find that we are fast food spiritual people. Uh, I asked the kids about fast food and McDonald's, Happy Meals, right? Happy Meal. That's what we like. Even as adults, we're immature. We want Happy Meals. Little fun things with maybe a present and a toy inside. Something that delights the heart. Something that maybe even entertains us a bit. But what we forget is that we're not doing ourselves any favor because that food is no good for us whatsoever. Either for our bodies at McDonald's or for our souls here at church when we lighten up and we don't do anything that changes us. Anything that transforms us. Don't allow the Holy Spirit to come and help us. And Jesus is recognizing that. As BJ preached so beautifully last week, he had people in front of him who wanted him for what he could do for them. They wanted his food, the feeding of the 5,000. They wanted to know that he could heal people. They wanted Jesus because of what they could get out of him. But here, in this gospel, he's getting a little deeper. He's trying to separate the fans 
from the followers, right? The fans, the people who just applaud him and think he's wonderful, from the true followers who give their lives and sacrifice to come after him. And by doing that, he starts by saying to them, there's something more at hand here than you know. Something more that you need. It is the food, the bread of heaven that I come and bring to you. I come down from heaven. I bring you bread from heaven. And at this point, the people are probably going nuts. In fact, it says they were arguing among themselves. Who is this guy? What is he talking about? He came down from heaven. This is Joseph's son. He's a carpenter. Who does he think he is? Well, he knew who he was. He was the son of God, the incarnate one of Israel. He's the one that Jesus, he's the one that was promised. He was the Jesus, the Messiah, the one that God said would come and forgive the sins of the world and save the world and provide an eternal life. He knew who he was. And then so, knowing, he felt this deep, deep need to teach them about the bread. But they didn't see him. They didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. Um, a moving van is parked in front of a suburban house filled with furniture, bicycles dangling off of the back, tied up with bungees, and a couple is on the front lawn tidying up and picking up loose papers and things. And a woman across the way sees this, rushes to the local market, buys a pie, runs over and says, welcome to the neighborhood. Here's a pie. I want you to know that we love you here. Good to know you. Good to see you. Let me introduce myself. And the husband looks at the wife, and the wife looks at the husband and says, we hate to say it. We've lived here for nine years. We're moving out. We're not moving in. <laughs> but she didn't know them. She didn't recognize them. She didn't spend time with them. She didn't let herself be known. She didn't invite them into her house and heart. She just saw two people that she had never seen in nine years and wanted to give them a gift. And that's how it is with me and Jesus. That's how it is with you and Jesus. We don't know whether he's coming or going. We, think, we start thanking him. We're asking him, please come into my life. I need fulfillment. I need nourishment. I need this bread of heaven. He says, I've been there all along. I've been here for nine years. Now you're bringing me a pie? Now you're asking me for something? I've been here all along. You never even knew me. But it's not too late. Come, I, I want to embrace you. I want you to come and be with me. You see, Jesus was giving them words that were so complicated that we don't even understand them today. The bread of heaven? They told, you mean like the manna in the Old Testament? I get it. In the Exodus, there was manna that came down. He was talking about that sort of, but he meant something even more profound than that. Because the manna that came down from heaven filled the earthly stomachs of the people in the Exodus. But what he was talking about here is that he was bringing them a food and a nourishment that would last for eternity, that they would always want. I'm bringing you bread so that you will never be hungry again. Well, he did that once before, didn't he? Remember the woman at the well, that story? And he's with this woman who she was filled with sin. She had five different husbands. And he asked her for water. She said, who are you to ask me for water? You're a Jewish man. I'm a Samaritan. Don't ask me for water. You hate me. But he was with her and he helped her. And he said to her, you seek water in this well, but you'll be thirsty again tomorrow. I will give you water that you will never be thirsty again. And what does she say? Let me have this water. Give it to me. I want this water. I want to know forever I'll never be thirsty again. Same thing in today's gospel. I'll give you bread. You'll never be hungry again for all eternity. You'll have eternal life. Give us that bread, they say to Jesus. Give us that bread. But they don't really understand it because he's talking about heaven and he's talking about earth at the same time. There's this God in heaven we call the transcendent God, the one we can't reach. He's up there. He's lofty. He's holy. If we came in his presence, we would be disintegrated by his holiness and our sinfulness. We'd be wiped out. But then there's the God among us, the God who comes, the imminent God. We call it the imminence, the divine imminence, the divine transcendence. The same God who is so lofty and high and holy that we can't go near him is the, the one who comes to be with us. He loves us and he longs to be with us. And this idea of the bread coming from heaven is one more application of his provision for us from on high. And he starts even with 
creation of the world because he cares about us. He creates us as living beings because his love overpours from the Trinity into the world. He's with Adam and Eve. They mess up in the garden. He sticks with them anyway. He, they mess up. He kicks them out of the garden, but he still goes along with them. He comes to Moses in a burning bush because he wants to be near him. He's with Israel for 40 years in the desert, living in a tabernacle, not some grand, spectacular building as this, but a tent that they carry from place to place, ultimately winding up in Shiloh, I suppose. And he, he's in that tent with them, and he's being there with them. And he goes on through the Old Testament in many ways. In today's Old Testament reading, as well as the psalm so beautifully chanted by Peter in our choir, we saw this phrase, the angel of the Lord. Another part where the transcendent God on high comes to be with his people because he loves them. When you see an angel of the Lord, it usually means an angel, right? It means what it says. But when you see that title, the angel of the Lord, and as it says today in the scriptures, the angel of the Lord encompasses us and saves us and does these things, recognizing, as the psalmist does, that the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. It's Jesus before he took on flesh. Is Jesus, the one who's the second person of the Trinity, the one we call the Messiah, the one we call the Savior. He's the one who came to be with them and spent time with them in the Old Testament and showed up in this angelic form, wrestled with Jacob at the river Jabbok and all those things. Well, the Old Testament comes and goes, and we are looking again for God to be imminent with the people. How is he with us? And he decides to do this, to reside in the womb of a teenage girl named Mary. He wants to be so much with us that forget about talking to Moses, being in a burning bush, being an angel who makes a theophany, an appearance, a theophany is an appearance of God. Forget about these theophanies. I want to physically become one of them and be with them. So God puts himself in the womb of a teenage girl by the power of the Holy Spirit, a virgin birth. And as he does this, the baby is born and comes alive. And what does the angel say to Mary? What does Gabriel say? He doesn't say necessarily call him Jesus. That's something that you hear when he talks to Joseph. But he says, his name shall be Emmanuel. Remember that? Emmanuel. We talked about that at Christmas. Emmanuel. E, if you're using the Greek. Uh, Emmanuel with an I, if you're using the Hebrew, it's the same word. Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us, literally. Just like the name Jesus means God saves. Emmanuel means God with us. Here's this God on high who, for whatever reason, crazy to me, loves me and wants to be with me and be with you in the womb of this girl. The baby's born. We have Christmas, the incarnation of God in the person of Jesus Christ, flesh. He wants to be with us. He goes on through some 30 years of life and then dies in humiliation on a cross, crucified for our sins, raises on the third day, has about 40 days thereafter with us, ascends into heaven. Ten days after that is Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes, and God is with us again in the Holy Spirit. He won't give up on us. He's not giving up. Then we go along. We say, we got the Holy Spirit. How else is God with me? And now we're getting back to the bread that came down from heaven. Now we're getting back that Jesus is, in fact, the bread of heaven. He is, in, in his personage, the bread of heaven. When we take him in, we are taking in this bread. You say, well, I understand the bread of the world. You go down and you buy Wonder Bread or whatever your bread of the day is. You go, Dave's bread. And, you know, who else makes bread? Anybody else makes bread? Arnold makes bread. Pepperidge Farm. Go buy that bread. But Jesus is saying, this bread from heaven is me, my flesh, my blood. In other words, the Eucharist. So even after Pentecost, there's another way that God has decided he wants to be with us and in us, and the Eucharist. And he comes, and we receive bread, and when we don't have masks on, we receive wine, and he comes into us, the body and the blood of Christ. And now he has chosen 
yet a new way to be with us. Not just in the womb of a teenage girl named Mary, not just among his people, but he has chosen to live in my heart and your heart by the sacramental grace of the bread and the wine, the Eucharist, Holy Communion. An outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. That's what a sacrament is. An outward and visible sign, bread and wine, of an inward, inward and spiritual grace. The nourishment of my second stomach in Jesus. The nourishment of my very being so I'll have eternal life in him. This is too spectacular to understand. I understand it in some ways because he explains it. But this notion of there's a God up here in heaven, there's a God, the same God, here with me on earth, transcendent there, imminent here, but bringing me his love and his power and his eternal life? How do I put flesh on that? How do I explain it in some ways? Um, I have a story that I told you years ago. Um, it's a personal reflection in a way, but it's still important. My father died some 22 years ago now. And when he died, um, he died in a courtroom. He was a bailiff in a courtroom. He had a job at the end as a bailiff. And he had a massive stroke, died right there in the courtroom, stayed in the hospital for two days on machines, but he had been brain dead. He was gone. We had his funeral. And at the funeral, there was something magnificent that happened. You need to mark this if you've not heard it before. If you've heard it before, celebrate it with me again. My father was a chef before a bailiff. He owned his own restaurant. He went to a culinary school in New York. And here he was, dying and leaving behind in the freezer about 12 loaves of bread, some ciabatta bread, that he had baked with his own hands. There were a couple of bread loaves that were out because he didn't know he was going to die. They left a couple out, but he made about 15. He froze the rest. At his funeral service, we came to the altar rail, and what we had at the altar rail was the bread baked by the man who died. So we're at a funeral of a man who died, and his bread is being served up. And we understand the notion of the communion of saints and the forgiveness of sins, the communion of saints coming from the book of Hebrews, the notion that there are the saints on high, the holy hosts who are watching over us, who have gone before us, the faithful saints. And here was the perfect idea of the transcendent heaven coming to the imminent earth and God saying, here is bread given to you by some soul that is with me here. And that connection is made like a lightning bolt from the sky to the earth. It is just magnificent. We get to a point where we realize that is true and connects us, but how do we make the connection here and now? We'd still like to see God here and now. It happens in other ways sacramentally too. A man named Gary, not our family pastor, this Gary I'm speaking of died from South Carolina, a beautiful man. I loved him deeply, still love him deeply. He had fought with alcoholism for a long time and it was just wearing him out until he turns his heart to Jesus. Heal me from my alcoholism. I come to you, Lord, and God heals him. He, he recovers. In his recovery, he takes up a ministry that is so odd in reflection to it, yet so apt to this idea of the bread that comes from heaven, the body and blood of Christ, transcendent God in heaven, people on earth. He does this. He says to our church, I want to provide the wine for Holy Communion for as long as I live. Can I be the one who provides it as a gift to the church? And he would go off and buy the port wine that the altar guilds use and set out in the altar. And he bought wine and he'd bring in a case every couple of months or however often we needed it, and there it would be. The notion being that the means of his humiliation, the means of his slavery, the means of his degradation by the redemption of Christ sacramentally in ways we don't understand, earth being blessed by heaven, those means, the alcohol, became his expression of his glorification of God. 
that God could redeem the alcohol to make it to his glory. Just like he could redeem a dead man's life by saying, here's the bread that he has, though he's with me. Just like he can take a cross, a cross, the perfect axis going vertical, meaning that heavenly trajectory, the one horizontal, meaning the earthly trajectory, and use that axis of the cross, the means of humiliation of our Lord and his crucifixion, use that by redemption as the symbol of all salvation of the world. The bread that comes down from heaven. These are the things that are real to us, the things we come to understand. We don't have the eyes always to see it. We don't always have the eyes to see Jesus, but he's trying to show you I've come down from heaven for these purposes. Uh, last night, as kind of a pre-birthday present, an early birthday present from Patty, we went to see Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons at the Anthem Theater downtown in Southwest. Fabulous show, amazing. Hour and 45 minutes nonstop, just crazy. Now what made it more amazing is that I hear Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons on records, you do too. You can watch the movie Jersey Boys, you can see the play Jersey Boys, and it's not really Frankie Valley. But last night he really walked on the stage. Just like you hear about Jesus, you know about Jesus, but until he walks into your heart, you don't know him. Now Frankie Valley is, get, you ready? 87 years old. 87 years old, stood on a stage, performed an hour and 45 minutes. It's still him, that voice is the same. Not as powerful, but it's still his voice and he still sings with joy and it was great. Jesus, ages upon ages. The ancient of days don't even encompass him. He is the Lord of all time. He's the one who's been there. We learn about like we learn about famous celebrities. We sing about him like you might sing a Four Seasons song. But until you see an 87-year-old man on stage singing, it doesn't have the fullness of meaning to you as it did to us last night. And until you take the bread that comes from heaven into your heart, and with your own eyes of faith, using the nourishment of your second stomach to see Jesus as you've never seen him before, residing within you, making your heart his tabernacle, so now that he lives within you, you are different and changed forever. There it is. Faith and religion are our means of seeing something beyond ourselves seeing something beyond this earth, trying to find something above us that gives meaning and clarity to this. God says back to us, I understand that. And I give you my revelation because I'm with you in Adam and Eve, I'm with you in Moses, I'm with you in the Exodus, I'm with you as the angel of the Lord, I'm with you in a womb of a girl named Mary, I'm with you as Jesus walks the earth, I'm with you in the Pentecost, and I'm with you in Holy Communion when you take the bread of heaven into your body and get an inward grace by the outward appearance of the bread and wine. Pretty amazing, huh? So today, as you receive communion, maybe do it differently than you normally would do it. And in everything, remember that what Jesus says is true. There's eternal life found only in him. And the nourishment we seek to prevent us from the failure to thrive and the malnourishment of our souls is found in him and him alone. For that, I say thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs> Thank you again for listening to the All Saints Podcast. To download future episodes automatically, you can subscribe and have the episodes delivered to you each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. And if you've liked the podcast so far, we would really appreciate it if you took a few minutes to give us a rating. As always, please be well, stay safe, and God bless.